his back and broke his neck. And he figured, well, it's time to accept I'm blind. But it's not time to accept that I'm dead. And how many of you know that we sometimes, it seems like in our life, that God, you ever felt like God just turns the lights out on you? You ever felt like, as I saw him in the darkness, I, I pictured, you know, we never go into the depth of these stories in the Bible, but I pictured in that darkness. Do you know the darkness that Joseph had to sit in, in the prison for two years, being forgotten, being betrayed, just sitting in darkness? But, you know, sometimes God turns the lights off so that all we can see is him. And when the lights are off and it seems like we have nowhere to go, you may think that's when you're at your end, but that's truly where you're at the beginning of the vision God wants to give you. Listen, it says while he was in prison, he interpreted dreams and he gave words. If we can't learn to use our gifts while we're in the pit, we'll never be able to use them when we get out. It's in those times of darkness and it's in those times where we're in the pit and in those times that we're struggling. And when it seems like, you know what it means to be in total darkness? If he's hooked to a bunch of guys with a rope. Do you know they're, they're climbing 27, 29,000 feet above sea level? Do you know that if one person falls, they all fall? Do you know they all depend upon one another that they, to, if they're going to make it, they're going to have to make it together? And do you know that when you're in blind, when you're blind and when you're in darkness, do you know that your security, there is no security in yourself because you can't see. When he was climbing the highest mountain in South America, because he's climbed the seven highest mountains in the seven hemispheres of this world. And when he was climbing the highest mountain of South America, they got so high, they had they learned to use a bear bell. A bale that they put on bears to hear him coming in the woods. He would, his best friend Sam would do the bear bale so he can hear because the winds were over 60 miles an hour. And he said, I wasn't only blind, I became deaf also. The bale froze. It couldn't work anymore. The shouts couldn't be heard anymore. The noises and the, of, the, the rocks falling couldn't be heard anymore. He was totally blind and he was totally deaf. But yet there was something in his heart that kept him going. I find a young man like this. If a young man like this can have the courage. And I don't know if he's saved or not. But if he could have the courage that even though I'm blind. I'm not going to sit down until I die. I'm going to conquer and do things. And one of his goals is. Even though I'm blind, I have a vision. My blindness is not going to stop me. And scared? Yes, he was scared. You could hear him breathing real hard. It's scary. And they were wondering, what are we going to do with a blind man? A lot of people may be wondering, what are we going to do with you? He was in ninth grade and blindness came into his life. His sight went away. His life was taken away from him, it seemed like. His lifestyle was interrupted. Joseph's lifestyle was interrupted. What do we do when our lifestyle is interrupted? You know, I love space, space movies about the rock, rockets and the uh, astronauts going into outer space. And in 1962, John Glenn went to the moon and 
while he was coming back, the sensors in, in Houston started showing that the, the shields, the heat shields, had a, a tear in them and they had fell off. And that according to their record, what they knew, that the, the astronaut, John Glenn, and the spaceship was going to burn up coming back into space. And as the spaceship is coming back into, into uh, close to the Earth's atmosphere, it turns from red heat to white heat, which causes a plasma that when they get to this point, all, all being able to talk to people by radio, all, all being able to hear, all communication is broken during that time of what they call plasma. And everybody was all nervous in Houston. And it was quiet for a long time when all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, they hear... This is Friendship 7 calling to Houston. And what their computers had shown was a flaw was not true. The heat shield was intact. And you made it back to earth. People may be telling you, you're not going to make it. Your marriage isn't going to make it. You're not going to make it financially. You're not going to make it in this Christian walk. But I want you to know, whatever they're reading is flawed. Because he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of this world. No matter what circumstances and no matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter. I've been praying and the Lord's given me four pages that I've been meditating and praying on as far as gossip and slander and criticism. And the Lord told me, he said, son, I'm not only going to take their words, but I'm even going to take their looks. And I'm going to take their attitudes. And I'm going to take their perceptions. And son, I'm going to turn it into firewood for the fiery furnace that you're in right now. Because I'm going to make it seven times hotter so your and you faith comes out seven times pure. And so all the words and all the criticism and everything you may hear and don't hear and everything that may rise up against you or tell others what may be rising up against them, don't worry about even the looks and the rolling of the eyes. I'll take the rolling of the eyes, turn it into firewood, put it in the furnace so you'll come out like Christ. Don't worry! About others' perception. The faith shield of the Holy Ghost is still intact. The covering of the blood of Jesus is still there. Let all, even those who rise up against you, be scattered. Because the faith shield is still in place. He wrote in his book, To those who face adversity every day, yearning to emerge stronger and better. May adversity become the pathway through which you flourish. Your greatness is needed. How many know I've shared with you that your gift will bring, make room for itself and bring you before great men. Amen? When we're going through the pit, it seems like all of our security, our resources, many times our friends and family, it's gone. When the lights are off, how many of you know, how many have ever been blindfolded? When I, I remember being in camp. They used to play this trick in camp when, when I was a kid, and maybe you remember it too, where they blindfold somebody. And they'd make them do different things while they're blindfolded. And one of the major things, and the, you know, after you learn this, you learn it, but before you know, you don't know what's going on. They, make the, they come to a point where they say, kiss my ring. And so they kiss the ring, and while they're kissing the ring, they don't know, they got the guy with the hairiest toes and they got a ring on his toe. And the guy who has the ring, they make you kiss his ring. But when they take the blindfold off, there's the guy with the hairy feet with his legs crossed. And he's got a ring on his toe. And when he takes the blindfold off, guess what? I just kissed a ring on a toe. That's what you think. 
But how many of you know that when you're, it seems like you're in the darkest time of your life, and it seems like, you know, where am I? God, why, why have you forsaken me? The enemy's after your identity. Your identity is your security. Your identity is your purpose. Your identity is who you are. Your identity is who God called you to be. And you're going through this time, and Joseph was the boy of the coat of many colors, but his identity was taken away from him. And don't you know those three, those 30 days it took him to walk to Egypt with chains on his ankles, chains on his hands, chain around his neck. He was sold as a slave. The whippings and the cruelty. And as he was in that band of slaves with all those chains upon him, don't you think how many times he turned around and looked for his daddy? Cody's cell phone. When he calls my cell phone, his ring is, save me. <laughs> it's a song, save me. And it's just over and over, save me, why don't you save me? I know that ringtone means my son's calling me. But here's Joseph. Every day. My brothers, are they going to regret what they did? Are they going to come looking for me? Where's my dad? Why doesn't he come looking for me? And then he gets put on the auction block and he gets sold. I wonder, who's going to save me? How long is this going to last? When he got sold, he never realized he was into 13 years. Some of the hardest years of his life. Was your life interrupted by a divorce? Was your life interrupted by death? Did you ever feel like things weren't fair? This Friday is my brother-in-law's birthday. When I got a phone call from my wife and she was so broken that my brother-in-law had been murdered in Michigan. I remember being so numb and I just sat in my vehicle and I couldn't even turn the key on to get back home. I was just in Monroe. At a conf- I had just arrived for a conference and I just couldn't move. I couldn't believe it and... I left the radio and the tape off. I was by myself. I was started drive after a while. I was able to turn the key on, but I was driving. You, you've been there where you're numb. Where you don't even know, you're not alert, uh, even alert of what you're doing. You're just doing something, but you don't know what you're doing. And I'm driving home, and it's been quiet for about 35, 45 minutes. And I'm driving, and I'm crying, and I'm just asking God why. Maybe it's a mistake. All of a sudden, I hear the Lord tell me. This is what he says. I want you to do the funeral. Oh, no, God, that, that's not fair. I want you to honor my son. And you are the one who can do it. God, I won't be able to do it in front of the people. Yes, you can. And people, I even was out, the funeral home even asked me if I'd be, be, be willing to be hired for funerals after that funeral. Because Holy Ghost did it. Russell Cobb couldn't do it. It's in those dark hours and those hard times. Where's my resources? My resources are dried up. All hope is gone. Nobody's there. I call and nobody answers. I leave messages. They don't call back. The lights are turned off because God says, do you have to continue seeing men walking as trees or do you want to look unto me, the great I am? Whose attention is your heart really on? Amen. 
I want you to look with me. Cody, would you bring me that black Bible, please? Preacher behind the pulpit with our Bible. Look with me in Genesis chapter 40, verse 15. I want you to see this scripture. Genesis chapter 40, verse 15. I know you have felt this way. That's why I want you to see this and underline it. Genesis 40, verse 15, because we've been talking about Joseph in the pit. You there? Look what it says. This is the uh, English Standard Version. Listen to this. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also, listen to this now. I have done nothing that they should put me into this pit. I have done nothing that they should put me into this pit. He's saying... I shouldn't belong here. I'm innocent. You've heard about these people, and there's many of them. They are brought to jail, and they are found out innocent later on. And then after 12, 21 years, it's opened the door and say, Oh, I'm sorry. You're in, it, it, we found out you're innocent. All the stuff shows you're innocent. Go on home. Just go on home. I was stolen. I was abused. I was raped. And it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault that my daddy or my stepdad used to come in my room and abuse me when I was a child. It wasn't my fault. And I blamed myself and I wondered for years why did I marry that man. And he seemed so loving and he knew just how to speak the right words. But then after just a few weeks into my marriage, he began to beat me. It wasn't my fault that I got blamed for this on the job and got fired. It wasn't my fault, but yet I wondered, it wasn't my fault that things started happening wrong at work or in the ministry or at church or on the worship team. It wasn't my fault. And, and you could go on and on and on. Why, God? Why, God? We could sing with Chris, 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 Chris Christopherson. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Why am I in this pit? I didn't do nothing. And you know what made it harder? And this is what happens many times to you and I. The Hebrews, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, the Hebrews were taught that if you're good, listen now, if you're good, only good things will happen to you. And if bad things happen to you, it's because you're bad. How many have heard that mentality before? Prosperity means you're doing everything right. And he was taught all 17 years before he was sold as a slave. If you're good, only good things can happen. Does something start going wrong in your life and you start wondering, what am I doing wrong? Have you ever been there? Lord, what sin have I done? What's going on in my life? And Joshua, Joseph was saying here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in this pit. I'm innocent. God knows I'm innocent. And in fact, God, where are you? Why did this happen? Only good is supposed to be happening to me. What wrong have I done to deserve this? We have felt that way. We waited years and had our firstborn. Doctor says his hips aren't right. He's going to have to wear a jacket from his shoulders all the way down, a special harness to keep his knees in his chest. And he, we would uncover him and people would uncover his blanket in the car seat, in the uh, stroller, and they would, they would see him with this thing all over him and, and go, oh, what's wrong with him? 
And our second son, two years old, diagnosed with, with autism, couldn't communicate, couldn't have feelings, just saw all the different things. We went through that. It's like, what have we done for these things to happen? Lord, where's my sin? What wrong have I done? Where did I open the door? But you know, there are strengths that will only come through adversity, the Bible says. We depend upon the strengths we have. Church, listen. We depend upon the strengths we have that will take us over. But if we only depend and and progress through the strengths and the gifting that we have, we'll only stay at the level we are. He climbed the second mountain. This guy Eric did. He climbed the second mountain, got to 21,000 feet, and they had to give up and go back. But he didn't give up. He went to Colorado and he trained for a year where his weakness was to only, that only got him to 21,000 feet. The next time they went back, the weather was worse. One of the men got hurt and left. And there was only two of them who were able to do it. But you know what? The second time, even though it was harder conditions, he made it. Why? He went and got stronger for a year and said, I might have got back down last time, but I'm going up this time. It's during these trials and these adversities, misunderstandings, darkness, not being able to see, not being able to hear, that we find strengths we didn't even know that was in us, or graces that He imparts into us. Amen? Why am I in here? What have I done to deserve this? How many know Joseph was trying to be good? It says in 1 Timothy, just write this down, 1 Timothy 4.8 in the New Living Translation. Training. Say with me, training. Training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Training for godliness. Went through a whole lot of things 18 years on the mission field. Gone through a lot of things eight year, almost eight years here in central Louisiana. You've gone through things in your life. But we could only allow it to make us better or make us bitter. And, and, and let me just give you this, uh, and I'll give it to you later on. Listen to this. One thing I really admire about the scripture we read there in, in, in Genesis about Joseph said, I was stolen. Listen to this now. I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews. And I am innocent and not worthy to be in this prison. Did you hear what he said? He never said My brothers betrayed me and put me in this pit. Do you know why he got before Potiphar? Because he kept his attitude right. He could have got before Potiphar and said, my brothers betrayed me. He could have told his long, sad story. I was a favorite of my dad's. I was loved by my dad. I had a coat of many colors. I had a dream life. But one day when I was obeying my dad, doing good, just obeying what he told me to do, go find your brothers and tell them to come home. I was just doing what I was told to do. They grabbed me. They took my coat. They threw me into this dark pit. I was there all alone. I had to march these 30 days into Egypt. I was in Potiphar's house having to resist Potiphar for 10 years. Potiphar was Potiphar's wife. Here I am. Having to resist Potiphar every day for ten years. And when it came to the end, she blamed me for something I didn't do. And now I'm in prison. But instead of telling his long, sad story and singing a country song, 
He said, I was stolen. And I'm innocent. But now I'm in the second chariot with the signet of God upon my finger. They ripped off my righteous robes. They ripped off my robe of many colors. But now I have the robes of governorship. They took my family away. Hotterfer said, I tried to do something that I didn't. And Potiphar put me in the prison. But now I am Potiphar's boss. And I'm marrying Hotterfer's daughter. Because according to, according to uh, the studies, uh, Potiphar's daughter was given to Joseph to marry. Oh, the devil just sock it to you in your face. He ended up marrying Potiphar's daughter. Having two sons, that means I'm forgetting the past and I'm fruitful in my future. What the devil meant for bad, what my brothers and my family meant for evil, God turned it around and meant it for good. Lord, I'm in this prison. And I have done nothing wrong, nothing bad to be deserving bad. And God is saying, I'm developing iron in your soul. I'm developing a character that where gifts will only take you so far. Character will take you and sustain you where I'm taking you into. Because lives depend upon it. How many know this is, this is, this is real? And this is life. You may be going through it. And instead of, many times we're saying, I'm like I am because I had an abusive dad. And he used to lock me in and he used to beat me and used to throw me in the closet and lock me in there for three days. And I had a mother who was hard and strong against me. And I had a wife or a husband and I had children who rebelled against me. And I got fired from these jobs. And and instead of telling our sad story many times. I think if we just say the Lord knows my heart. And the Lord says that He will promote me according to the cleanliness of my heart. And even though I can't see a thing, I can't hear a thing, I still feel the hem of His garment and I'm going to make it up this mountain. Amen. First Peter 4.12 says in the message translation, Friends, when life gets really difficult... When life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is spiritual refining process. Listen to this now. With glory just around the corner. This is a spiritual refining process. How many want to escape hatch right now? This is a spiritual refining with glory. Say glory. glory. Just around the corner. Remember last week we talked about Jonah. He ran from God in his attitude. You know what's Jonah, what was in Jonah's heart at the very end? I want to die. You know what was in Joseph's heart? I want to live. Do you know what was in Job's heart? Though I die, I still worship my Redeemer. 
Do you know what was in David's heart? I'll just worship him even though he slays me. You know what was in Jesus' heart? I'll rise again. It's what's in the heart. Even during the tough times, the adversity that makes us stronger. You know, when I was meditating on this last night and I I finally remember what movie it was. You know, the, the enemy just keeps coming at you, coming at you. And, and, you know, if you, how many ever saw the movie Robin Hood with Kevin Costner? And why did the sheriff end up telling him, Robin of Roxley, why don't you just die? Robin Hood just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. It's Robin Hood or die hard. Why don't you just die? I can't die when I've got purpose. Robin Hood was in love with a little girl. Robin Hood had purpose of stealing from a wicked king and giving to the poor. We've got a purpose of saving souls and living a life and seeing God glorified. And though we may be going through the refining of the fire to a degree we've never felt before, there is glory right around the corner. There's glory right around the corner. And God, He said in Psalms 105, I am pouring soul, I am pouring iron in Joseph's soul. He, how many, you know, so many guys, you see them all the time, they're working out and we go to the gym and boy, they got these big old guys with these big old arms and, you know, I intimidate them when I take my shirt off. And they got these big old tattoos and I got mama. No, I ain't got mama. But anyway, I go in there to work out and there's these big guys and all these they come up to me and they go, this is how you do it. Man, you got to do this. And I appreciate it and I try their advice and everything, but I don't look like them tomorrow. I wake up the next day. I did what they said. How many know it ain't like that? They already been doing it. How long have you been doing this? I asked this one, how long have you been doing it? Since 82? Oh. Okay. We want muscles of steel, muscles of iron. God wants saints of iron that don't bend during the pressure, during the trials, during the stress. I tried God. God don't work. I tried church. Church didn't work. Hey, it's not that it don't work. He was working on you and you gave up before the glory arrived. Because if you just keep on, glory's right around the corner. And that glory's promised that if you don't grow weary and well-doing, you're going to reap if you faint not. Perseverance is falling a hundred times and getting back up. Perseverance is standing in front of a door and waiting for God to open the door. You know, we're talking about this young man who was blind and then up in the mountains he becomes deaf and he's totally, it seems like there's nothing there at all. And you know, society, I started thinking about this. Listen to this. Society puts a lot of emphasis on failures. They're always talking, always lifting, they're always talking down and, and talking bad about people who fail. Well, you know, even the church, well, we've had another failure. There's been another failure. Well, I got to say, I know a bunch who hasn't failed. But they focus, listen to this, the world focuses and puts down the failures. But they love the movies and the books 
about a failure who became a winner. They put down the failures, but they love the story about the winner. Do you know that Beethoven was deaf when he wrote the fifth? He found a strength he didn't know was there. You know what they used to tell Walt Disney when he was in in elementary school and he would draw talking flowers? Your son's crazy. You need to send him to another school. His imagination. We don't know what to do with this kid. Talking flowers. Rats that are nice. What are we going to do with this kid? He's crazy. Go to Disneyland. And see what God can do or what somebody can do with the strength and the talents inside of them. Come on, don't you give up. Well, you know, people gave up on me. Well, don't God has it. Don't you give up on yourself because it's when you get to those weak points. Einstein used to say in school, we don't want Einstein. We don't want Albert Einstein to come to school anymore. He's retarded. He's crazy. We can't do nothing with him. We can't teach your child. Your child's unteachable. What I like for them to see Albert Einstein years later when they wouldn't be able to understand what he knew. And that's exactly what it is. I don't quit because of what I know. That's right. I don't quit because of who I know. You can't quit because somebody told you it's over. You can't give up because somebody told you it's uncrossable. You can't give up because it seems like it's an impassable place. You saw him crossing on that ladder. You come to a dead end. There's no way a blind man is going to be able to go. Because if he falls off that ladder, we're all going down with him. That's commitment to the end. And I believe that that is what God is wanting to build in the church and in the body of Christ. Amen. I want you to think about David. How many of David got a word that he was going to be the next king of Israel? And I want you to picture David. David is in the dark. He's in an old, musty cave. Have you ever been in a cave? He's in a cave. I could see him walking around. Why, Lord? You told me I was going to be the next king of Israel. My dad didn't ever acknowledge I was there. King Saul was supposed to be a father to me. Now I'm being hunted like a wild man. I'm living from cave to cave. Why, Lord? I don't understand it. And there's David in the cave one day. And you can read in Second Chronicles, David's in the cave one day. All of a sudden, some people start in Argentina. They wouldn't knock on the door. When they come to the house in Argentina, they'd clap. Everybody had the habit of clapping. There was no doorbells usually. So when you go to somebody's house, there's no air conditioning. So the windows are open. So... Well, you hear a clap, you go to the door, and you open the door, and there's somebody there. Well, all of a sudden, I could picture David standing in the cave. I mean, somebody standing, David's in the cave, and all of a sudden. And David goes to the front of the cave, and he pulls out, what do you want? And here's this guy. I'm depressed. And my family's in debt. And I'm a failure, and I'm distressed. My wife left me with these 16 boys. And I didn't know where to go, but I heard you're in the cave. Can we join you? Oh, thank you, God. I'm supposed to be the king of Israel, and look what you're sending me. And then they go in the cave, and, well, let's eat some bread here. All of a sudden, and here comes a whole family with the goats and a chicken. What do y'all want? We ain't got nowhere to live. Nobody loves us. We ran out of the village. 
where it's totally depressed. We don't know what to do. Either come here or kill ourselves. And David goes, boy, I've got the best. Come on in. And 400 people, just like that, come inside of the cave. What's your story? Well, I've just been divorced four times. What's your story? All my farm was taken away from me. I lost everything I had. What's your story? Everybody going around, everybody telling their stories. And finally, David has to stand up in front of all these 400 people and say, Hey! I was here first. And if you're going to be around my fire in my cave, because if you didn't see David's cave, you're going to learn to praise the Lord. And you're going to learn with all of your soul to magnify my God. And you're going to learn that even though everything's been taken away and you are just left for dead and nobody could care less about you. And since you've been here, nobody's been here to check on you. And it just seems like right now you're in a pit and you've got an IV in your arm, but nobody seems to care. You're in this hospital room by yourself and there's not even a car or a flower and you're in the pit. You're going through chemo and you don't know if you can go again. Everything just seems to be going against you and you're in the pit. But one thing you got to remember, it's you and Jesus still there, still together. And even when some human being is not in that pit with you, you can't see nobody, you can't hear nobody, and God's not even talking to you. But you can't forget that the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwells in you, it will also quicken your mortal bodies. In the pit. You're in your bed crying every night and he don't even turn over and say, what's the matter, honey? It's four o'clock in the morning and she's not home yet. You're in the pit. And you've done cut your hands up trying to climb out of that pit. And God says, you want to be in my presence? Yeah, God, that's why I'm trying to get out of this pit. He says, then stay here in the pit. I'm not leaving till I got you like I want you. And those 400, it says everyone who was distressed, in debt, and one translation says, losers in life, joined to David in the cave. But then you go on to read later that those 400 losers became the mighty men and the strongest army, even stronger than Joshua's, became the mightiest men of all the armies of Israel. God took those who were in distress, in debt, and in utter chaos, and one with a bean pole, with a pole, with a staff, defended a bean pole. And killed all kind. Could fight with the right hand and the left hand equally. And destroy the enemy. You can't learn to fight with both hands until you've been through the fire to where you've got to survive fighting with both hands. I've got eight translations with me. Sometimes it takes eight translations to get me out of a hole. Sometimes I gotta read the same scripture, eight different translations, and I got 26 translations in my office. I gotta go there and I gotta pull out concordances and stuff, but I don't quit until I get it. Amen. 
The losers in life became the mighty men. I'm going to have to close here. But I got a bunch of more. But let me say this. You may be saying, I want to quit. I've got a bunch of points, but I won't get to them today. But listen to this. If you're wanting to quit, that already tells me you're a winner. You want to know why? You've got to have something to quit to quit. And if you've got to have something to quit, that means you've already won something to have. You can't quit if you ain't got nothing to quit. You can't quit if you ain't got anything to quit. You can't quit if you don't have anything to quit. Well, all I've got, all I've got is just one song. Well, you can't quit just because you got one song. If you didn't have any song, go ahead and quit. But you got a half a song. And if you ain't got a song, whistle. (laughs) You can't quit unless you've got something to quit. And let me tell you something else. You're going through a lot right now. Think of Joseph. The more you have to quit, the more you want to quit. There's a lot of people say, I want to quit so bad. If you take inventory, the reason you want to quit so bad is because you have so much to quit on. The more you have to quit, the more you feel like quitting. You know, another thing you got to be careful of? Spending a lot of time with quitters. Quitter is another word for critter. You got to stop spending time with quitters. You got to find, say find, say find, say find. I'm tired of whiners saying, I don't have any friends. Find some. I'm so tired of people saying, I, I don't know what to do with my life. I can't find anybody to talk to. Find Someone, you know, there are people in prison you can go talk to that can't get out. (laughs) Find someone. Go to the hospital where they got tubes all over. They can't get out. After listening to you, they may pull them out and try to get out. Find. Find. People of faith. Find people who are up. Find people who look happy. And get around them. Overcome the rejection, my brother and my sister. That if they get to know me, they won't like me. They won't accept me. Get past the self-rejection. And your hurts and your pains. That I know how I am. If I just start talking, I won't ever quit talking. And I'll talk so much, they'll end up just wanting to walk away from me. And then they'll never want to get back with me. And every time I start calling them, they will tell me, I'm not here. I'm not here. They will try to sound like an answer machine. Please leave your message at the tone of the beat. Beep! I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. I don't live here no more. This is not my number no more. Please don't call anymore. You know what you need to do? Just keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. Or for somebody who's going to say, hey! If you just keep looking, you'll find somebody who say, 
Hey, I had you on my heart the other day. Oh, I found somebody! Hello, <laughs> this is, I'm, you know, I'm just being real with you today. I'm being truthful, I'm being honest. Because he's coming back for a glorious church. And many of the church in America become a whining church. Nobody sees what I do. Oh, but there's someone who does. And he's the one who rewards. Amen? Amen? I want to leave you with one saying, and I quit. The heights my great men reached and kept were not obtained by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. Standing on what too long we bore, with shoulders bent and downcast eyes, we may discern, unseen before, a path to higher destiny. That's you. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to rise and work. I'm going to rise and walk. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this today? Well, this is only three pages. This was not my message for today. I had another message for today. And the Holy Spirit wrote, sat me down. And listen, I preached three pages of notes. Guess how many I have? Twelve. And this was not supposed to be my message today. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Even my wife was praying on the way to work. It's your platform, Holy Spirit. It's not what we want to say, but what does your people need to hear today? What do they need to hear today? We all needed something we heard today. We've been through it. Let's stand upon our feet.